Welcome to the Relax It's Retirement podcast with Josh Leonard from Leonard Advisory Group. In this podcast, we help those nearing retirement greet it with a well-prepared smile. Join Josh and his guests to learn the retirement and tax planning tips you need so you too can live your golden years with the happiness and excitement you deserve. Hear stories from his years of experience to help you transition into a fun and intentional retirement. Now, onto the show. Welcome to the Relax, It's Retirement podcast with your host, Josh Leonard, where we talk about transitioning into retirement with intent. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey, Josh, how are you? Great. How are you today, Wendy? Oh, I'm good. Now we're in the midst of summer. The warm weather is almost always here, so I'm good. How about you? Me too. Me too. It it, it becomes hard working season where if the work isn't incorporated outside, it gets a little bit harder to do. Right. I hear you on that. So we have a guest today. Absolutely. Yeah, we have a new guest and new friend, Jerome Myers. Jerome is an award-winning engineer, investor, mentor, and business strategist who helps founders navigate their exit paradox through his masterminds and coaching programs. Now, I won't read his whole bio because, well, that's not really very exciting, but uh, I met Jerome at a conference through a mutual friend, and we had a discussion around some of the work he does around exit planning and how that kind of pairs with retirement or that big transition in in life. So I wanted to have him on the podcast to talk through that a little bit more. So welcome, Jerome. Thanks for having me, Josh. This is awesome, man. Really excited to maybe add a little bit of value to your listeners today. We'll see how this goes. Sure. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will, Jerome. So tell us a little bit more how you got focused in that exit planning or helping people transition to their next phase. Yeah, I think the most poignant example would be me standing in the back of a conference room. A guy had just sold his business for $2 billion, and he says that he's in the middle of an existential crisis. And I said, why on earth would you be in the middle of an existential crisis? You just hit the lottery. And so as I tend to do, I navigate or kind of move over to the mic and I look at him and I say, are you ready? And he says, "Uh oh, that's a setup. And I start to ask him a series of questions in a room of about 150 people. And what we started to unpack was the fact that he didn't have what was next. And so many of my clients, when they come to me, they're asking three questions. What was it all for? Is this really it? And then what next? And he didn't have a what next. He was his nose to the grindstone, figuring out how to scale the thing. And when he looked up on the other side of the exit, there wasn't anything. He lost his identity because it was all wrapped up in the business. He started questioning the relationships that were closest to him and the new people who were showing up to hang out with him. He didn't have his title at work anymore. And, you know, he got moved to an advisory capacity where he was sitting on a board. And so his influence wasn't what it used to be when he was the boss. And then when you start looking at health and prosperity, you know, a lot of people trade their health in order to grow wealth. And so now once you have the wealth, you start to look around and say, well, I get one of these. I can make more money. Should I should I start working on my health? And then the final thing, which I think most people just totally lose, is the fact that Significance is the only real success. And so, so many people spend all of their time chasing freedom, financial freedom, that is. And then when they get there, 
they say, I, I don't think this is it. The check doesn't scratch the itch. And so then they're looking for fulfillment because the, the money just doesn't do anything. It creates options or choices, but it doesn't actually solve anything for them. And so that's where we spend a lot of our time, helping people figure out what fulfillment looks like after they've achieved the American dream, as a lot of people call it. Sure. I think, you know, thinking of that $2 billion exit, maybe some of our listeners say, yeah, well, that's not me. But I think it's all the same thing. I can even take it back to being a kid. My brother and I in our backyard built a treehouse. And once we built it, we were kind of like, well, that was fun. But now what do we do? Right. So we keep building more. And, and I think especially for many entrepreneurs and business owners, that's it. You keep building and building. And then, well, you got the check. But the whole thing that you've dedicated your life to, your treehouse is built and now it's someone else's. You know, so answering that question, I think for for many retirees, we see, you know, what I call like the news problem where you retire and you're like, great, I can sit up and catch up on the news. Right. Well, yeah. that did no one any good ever. Right. Yeah. That, that's like a slow decline to death. Um, you get depressed. And, and I think when we had talked previously, you know, you had kind of talked about that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Right. Where. Yeah everyone's looking for that big check. And then once you get it, it's kind of like, well, what now? So Nothing tell, changed. Me, tell, <laughs> tell me about uh, someone that you've worked with that, you know, you kind of help them find the next chapter or some of the key areas that you see in working towards that transition. Yeah, I'll take it to the other end of the spectrum because 2 billion is a number that I can't count to without taking my shoes off. So, you know, that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if I come back down and I'm working with a guy and he reached out right after Thanksgiving one year and he said, hey, man, I want to double my business. I said, OK, cool. Let's figure out how to double your business. And we never talk about the fact that he doubled his business. What we talk about all the time is the messages that he gets from his wife, thanking him for the man that he is, the messages he gets from he's Catholic. So the the church that he goes to Um the founders or the elders in the church talking about his contribution and how he's showing up on a weekly basis and how they appreciate that. We talk about how his kids are excited to see him when he walks through the door and ready to play and how he actually is able to be present with them in the moment versus checking his phone for the next email or text messaging or feeling guilty because he's at home with his family instead of in the office or feels guilty when he's in the office instead of at home with his family. And so like those intangible things that you can't actually assign a dollar amount to, but you see through the expression of gratitude of other people, I think is truly the magic of what we do. And oh, by the way, he doubled his revenue, he doubled his time off, and he doubled his charitable giving over the course of that period. But that isn't what he talks about most. What he talks about most is his ability to make an impact on the people that are around him that he cares for most. And I think if we're honest, that's what we all are seeking. But most of us don't feel like we have permission to do it. We got to go do this thing because of these people. And so what I see often happens is we end up in a space where we see those folks that we are doing this for as the reason why we can't do something instead of seeing them as the reason why we must or the reason why we should do it or why we can do it. And 
it's a real struggle because we're taught that everything else is more important than us, especially when you, you think about the alphas, right? I won't say male or female. I'll say the alphas in the family, the breadwinners, we've adopted that, that persona, that identity that, you know, we got to go out, we've got to create, and we've got to create at a bigger level. And a lot of the times, the people that we're trying to create this stuff for, if we're really honest and we really ask them, they don't want the stuff. Right? They want us and they want us healthy and they want us to show up in our best form. And for some reason, we convince ourselves, and I, I know what it is, but for some reason, we convince ourselves that it's something very different and it just keeps us from being where we need to be. Yeah. I think as you were talking through that, Jerome, it makes me think of uh, something that I internalize and talk about uh, a lot is having an and lifestyle instead of an or right? I can be a good business owner, a good financial advisor, and a good father, and a good husband, right? Mm -hmm. So it's balancing all these things. Now, granted, when we're juggling a lot of balls, that doesn't mean that we're always the best at every single second. But in designing our lives or a transition into retirement, we can find those things that are most important to us and focus on building all of those aspects in. Yeah, I think intentionality is the most important thing that we can have when we're setting our priorities. And I think you truly have to set priorities in order to accomplish or achieve those things. I don't believe that most people want to be balanced, even though it is a word that a lot of us use. If you think about a balanced scale, what's on the scale? What does it read when it's balanced? It's zero. It's flat. It reads zero, right? If you're standing up and your weight is balanced on both of your feet and you want to take a step, can you stay in balance and make any progress? Yeah. You can't, right? And so what I think people are looking for, and I, I submit this to people for consideration, is they're looking for the opportunity to be centered. And for us, that means that you got rid of the mask and you can show up in your best authentic self wherever you are and you know there's this weird saying i have no idea who started it but they say how you do one thing is how you do everything but most of us feel like we got to go into the office and be this person and then we got to go home and we got to be this person and then we got to go to the sports field and be this person and then we got to go to church and be this person and so we're walking around putting on all these different costumes to be a different person in each setting but the reality of the situation is there's only one you and that you most people would really like. And if that's per- that one, you isn't the person that a whole lot of people would like, you might want to question whether or not you're actually being your authentic self, right? At the highest level, you know, there are a whole lot of people who say, Hey, just take me as I am, but they're not at peak performance capacity, sure. right? They're playing down here in the land of mediocrity. But if you elevate your standard to excellence and you walk around and you live in that in every aspect, every room that you walk in, and it's not a confused state, right? When you're at your highest level and you're being authentic, there is no confusion about whether that person is great in whatever role that they're playing in, because it's part of who they are and it's part of what they do. The other thing that it does is it increases your energy level because you're not being an actor, You're not going in and fitting in the different roles. And so what we offer to people is they want to be centered. They want to be in that space where they're firmly in themselves. They know who they are and that they're 
perfectly okay sharing that with the world. Now, I we believe that there are three different pieces of our lives that we have. And so the first one is a public life, then there's a private life, and then there's a secret life. And I don't think everybody gets access to all three levels of what our life is. And if you want to call it an onion, you can call it an onion, right? But the fact of the matter is, you should be the same person in all of those. And it's just a matter of how much of you that you reveal at the public level or the private level. But the true nucleus, the people who see that secret level, I don't think you want the people who know your secret level to think you're a completely different person in public. Like that, that's inauthentic. That is something that I think will create internal conflict for you. And that's when people really get into a conundrum. We call it the exit paradox, where I don't know who to be anymore. Because you talk, like if, if somebody's working 40 or 60 hours a week and you take that part out of their life, and they've got all this talent and they've got, they don't know what to do. But if they're the same person in each phase of life, they continue being themselves. And then whatever new things come in to fill that time, and things will fill the time. It's just like weeds with bare ground. So they have to be intentional with what fills the time. But if they aren't, the weeds will fill in the time. And so in that, I believe they have a better circumstance or they put themselves in a better situation when they remove a big piece of their life and start on this journey for the new. So are you saying that the secret life is the one you should be living in public? I don't think there should be a big difference between your secret life, your public life, or your private life. I think those things should be fairly consistent. Now, do I think we all have things that we don't want everybody to know? I do. Um, does that mean that if somebody made a statement about your character in the public space, that it should be any different than your secret life? Now, that one I struggle with a little bit. I think those things should be very similar. Like what I've always told folks is, it's not what people say to your face. It's what people say when you're not in the room, right? That's what I think is the most important part of it because, I mean, your reputation precedes you and that can be a positive or a negative thing. But my belief is if somebody says something negative about me, it's my hope that people who know me at any phase would be able to say, yeah, he couldn't do that, or he wouldn't do that, or no, that's not him. Gotcha. Or yeah, absolutely, he would do that, right? Mm -hmm. I, I just don't think we should show up as three different people. So when I go into the apartment that I used to live in when I was younger, and I would get to the top of the steps, and I would see my dog, and I would start singing to her at the top of my lungs, I should come into work that way too? <laughs> well, I think you should be joyful. I think you should <laughs> not hide the fact that you're excited to see people. Uh, if you're in a situation where singing is appropriate for that environment, then oh, absolutely. But I do think the actual <laughs> essence of what you're suggesting, I don't think that should go anywhere. And so is there a way that you can show people in the workplace that if it's not a loud open space? If you work in a library, you probably shouldn't go into library singing. But can you give them a big, bright smile? Can you give them a deep hug? A hundred percent. Could you write them a note or do something else to signal that you're really excited to see them, bring joy to them, 100%. And I just think there's different mechanisms to do that. Um, but the fact of the matter is that's who you are if you're excited to see a person. I love it. And love I think it. people would love to experience that as well. 
you know, we're we're scared to do things because we're worried other people won't appreciate them. And I just, I, it's funny. And I'm glad you brought this up because one of my core beliefs is if everybody worked as hard to make other adults smile as they do to make babies smile, this world would be so much better. Oh, yes. So good. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, with my kids, it's always, you know, after school, you ask, oh, how was school, right? If that's all you ask, you, oh, it was good, right? You don't, you have to ask more engaging questions. And uh, I, I pick my son up from the school bus quite a few days uh, throughout the week, and I'll ask him, you know, how was school? We talk about what he did at recess, because, of course, that's the highlight of his day. And then we try to get into some of the learnings and wh what he actually learned and it's funny because I, I was talking to my wife one evening and I was like, we don't have those conversations, right? Was, How was work, right? And maybe you hear about a problem that you dealt with or something like that. But you're not looking at the growth points that you had throughout the day, right? Our careers, our jobs, whatever we're doing throughout the day, we're learning stuff, or at least we should be um, okay. constantly. So reflecting on that, I think, puts a more positive light. We're going to have challenges in everything, whether that's a transition or just our daily life. But Jerome, I want to take this back to that transition period a little bit more. And when you look at that public, private, and secret life transition, maybe for the last 40 years, you've been a engineer and you've put on that engineer hat and went yeah. to work eight to 10 hours a day, every single day. And then you come home and relax and maybe you have your hobbies. That's more your private life. And maybe with your spouse, you, have, you lead more of that secret life. Um, yeah. How do you find a new area to have that public life when you no longer have that engineer hat? Yeah, it's funny. I think so many of us decide who we're going to be when we're eight to 12 years old. Yeah. And we spend our adult life trying to become that person that we decided to be when we we're eight to 12 years old. Well, here's the thing. And any given day, you can decide who you're going to be. And so if you embrace this opportunity to intentionally decide what you want to achieve or accomplish in this new experience that you have, because you have some different freedoms now than you did when you were, let's call it 22, if you got out of school at that point, right? You, you, you might be an empty nester. You might uh, have some money in the bank that you didn't have. You may have a paid for house or no car note or your student loans might be gone. And that gives you some more options. And so what I encourage people to do is actually suspend disbelief and actually dream about what they actually would like to do and then take into consideration the resources that they have available and figure out what is missing in between the two and we call this a gap assessment in our in our practice but the whole point is you come up with what you want to do and then you want to refine and get some clarity on why you want to do it because the why is going to be the thing that pushes you forward when the why not why not start showing up and then you want to follow that up with the how and so that's why this gap assessment is important so you take inventory of all of the things that you have you take inventory of the things that's missing you make a make or buy decision on the things that are missing and then you go off on the journey to make the new dream a reality now most of us forget how to dream. Most of us dare not to dream. And so if they got to this point of the interview, and this is where maybe we can impart a little bit of value in their life, I'm going to charge them with this. Your dreams should be real. And you probably haven't heard that in a long time. You might've heard that when you were little, but you're hearing it again today. And when you know better, you got to do better. 
And so if you haven't dreamed or dared to dream in a long time or decided that you were just going to live your life through the dreams of other people, today you get to decide what the new dream is. And then you can go through this process of figuring out why that dream is the dream. And then you can figure out how through going through this gap assessment process that I just described, where you figure out all the resources that are at your disposal and then figure out what's missing and figure out whether you're going to make those things or buy those things. And I think, Jerome, when we spoke previously, you had talked about, um, you know, sort of finding this as the next mission, right? So this is Mm -hmm. sort of your mission work for the next chapter. When we think about that mission, I think you said for many people, it's eradicating a problem that that they've seen throughout their life or or maybe even rooting back to childhood. Um, I think we see sometimes people find a mission through volunteer work as well. Right. So they uh, they have enough and financial resources. It's not that they need to build another business, but maybe mm-hmm. rather they can use some of their time, another resource that you now have more of to help eradicate that problem. So tell me a little bit about how you help people discover that problem or that yeah. mission. Yeah. So my hope was that in the dream that they would say this shouldn't be anymore. Or I don't want, if they want to put on their cape, I don't want anybody else to ever experience this, right? And if you, all of us have something that comes to mind immediately when I don't ever want somebody else to experience this, you can fill in that blank right now. And if you say, I don't know, then maybe think about the people that are closest to you and something that they experienced that you want to make go away. Or maybe it's something that you saw somewhere in travel. Whatever that thing is, it's been placed on your heart. Nobody can give it to you. It's something that comes from within. And if you aren't tuned in to the place where you can hear the hear the voice, hear hear the feel the inner tug, then I would probably suggest the pattern that I notice most when people are in that space is they turn on the TV as soon as they get in the house. They can't ride her in the car in silence and there always has to be some chatter in the background. And so our challenge to people who can't hear is to get them to go into a place of quiet. And in that quiet, over time, they will start to be able to hear the messages that are there for them. And they they experience things, they become sensitive in a way that they may not have been in the past. And that will help them with the answer. But it always ends up being mission work. It always be ends up being something that's in service of other people. And, you know, whether they're volunteering or they're building something else that is going to live in perpetuity, something that's going to outlive them so that they can actually have what we call um, a lasting legacy. Uh, and usually we say you want to create a business so that you can get proceeds, so you can invest those proceeds for a lasting legacy. And so that last piece is called a pill. Your opportunity to do that, that window is very small because in the transitionary period, you've got uncultivated, you've got cultivated ground that's fertile for seeds to be planted. And if you don't plant the seeds, the weeds will take it over and you'll be all over the place, wasting resources, trying to figure out how you're going to do something that actually matters with all of this other stuff that ended up in your, on your calendar that you didn't have space or time for in the past. Yeah. I think it, it goes back to this, uh, 
psychological idea of a fresh start, right? We move into a new house and in the new house, we're going to keep our linen closet organized, right? We're going to learn how to fold those fitted sheets. That's that's like an enemy to me. I still haven't figured that out, but we're going to keep it organized in the new house or we start a new job and we're going to make sure we're always there 15 minutes early, right? Yeah. In these new periods, we can change the things that we haven't liked about ourselves or that we wish we were better at. I thought it was interesting. You brought up the silence. I think uh, for me, training for this half Ironman, sometimes not having my earbuds or headphones when I'm running or cycling for a long period of time or in swimming, I just never have any sort of audio device. And and it, that's it. You You end the exercise with a very different mindset than you started it with. Because you do. it's just your body operating as a physical thing and your mind sort of wanders and, you know, you think all sorts of things. And, and I find that very freeing and relaxing. But we are so stimulated constantly between our cell phones, TV screens, et cetera, et cetera, that I think uh, finding that piece can help us find uh, what's important to us or be able to reflect maybe on other interactions that we've had with others as well. It will definitely give you a level of clarity that you haven't experienced before. And so I think the final thing that's probably really worth discussing here is the fact that most people are looking for certainty. And so you've got the things that were foundational for you, things that were common for you, and you're used to those things happening in your world. And now when it's gone, you have this almost like an earthquake, right? The whole ground is shaking. You're questioning everything. Well, Stop chasing certainty because familiarity and certainty aren't the same thing. Truly what you want is clarity, and we always know what to do. Yeah. If if you can hear the voice, if you can feel, feel the tug, you know what to do. And, you know, it's funny. You talk about running without buds. Like, I, I call that being naked, like running naked, right? Because mm-hmm. you're out there and you're actually experiencing, you, you have no choice but to be present, whether it's sure. listening to the breath or the pound of the feet or the birds chirping. It's all in what you choose to tune into. But there's when you actually aren't stimulating yourself and you're being stimulated by the environment, you get to tune in or tap into things that uh, you miss when you're artificially putting things into. And I, I have a quick question about that. Um, one is it's such an addiction at this point, this stimulation, you know, the phone and the social media and just the background noise. And I was one of those people where I came home every day, turned the TV on immediately. I never had a, a, so as somebody that used to do that, I didn't believe you when you said that getting Mm -hmm. quiet was going to give me clarity. So what do you say to people? How do you, I guess, convince them uh, that it will come? Yeah. I, I, I'm only offering the truth. Right. (laughs) And so if people are kind enough, willing enough, interested enough, seeking an answer, then I ask them to suspend their disbelief and just try. Mm. And if after a couple of days of trying it, that it they'd see nothing or feel nothing, okay. But if they're honest with themselves, and they don't even have to tell me, I don't even want credit. I, there in no way, shape, or form would I ever come say, I told you so. But if they try it and they start to see something different, if they find out that there's something else there, then continue to chase it. That's all that I ask. I ask that you try it and see if it's true for you. But what I'm offering to you, I know to be true 
from my own experience and the experience of hundreds of others of people who we've done this experiment with and been able to help them get results. I would totally say, I told you so. I would totally. Well, (laughs) for me, that isn't the value. For me, the value, the whole point of this mission work for me is the opportunity to get people to go out and make the world a better place, right? I've got two little girls and I want them to experience a better world than the world that I lived in. And I think that that happens by people actually going out and fulfilling the mission that they've been placed on this planet to do. And so that's just, that's our whole goal is to help people find that mission and make the world a better place one person at a time. I I think we tell our kids this all the time, right? Like you got to try the broccoli, right? You got to try the Brussels sprouts. You just got to try it. And uh, last summer, my boys had picked out some ice cream to eat with grandma and grandpa. And it was like rainbow unicorn, you know, some overly kid targeted ice cream. And my dad's reaction was, ew, I don't want that. (laughs) And my kids said back to him, Grandpa Billio, that's what they call him. Grandpa Billio, you have to try it. You won't know if you don't like it unless you try it. And I thought, oh. (laughs) <laughs> That's it. And so it's the same thing, right? We need to reduce the stimulus, uh, let our minds run free. Um, you know, we are creatures of energy and that energy keeps us alive. Uh, Jerome, you had mentioned when we we talked previously about a nuclear power plant, right? Yeah. We got to put that energy out somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I implore all of you in any transition in life, especially in retirement or an exit of a business, to figure out an outlet for that energy. Don't let it be your mind getting depressed sitting on the couch watching TV or, you know, just letting the weeds grow, as you had said, Jerome. I think, uh, you know, we have an opportunity to do something that we haven't been able to do previous in life. And retirement isn't death, right? For most folks, you might live another 30 years. This is a big chapter of life, or it could be three more chapters, So use it as a new platform, a new time to do exciting things. Getting stuck in doing the things that you've always done just because you've always done them is the atrocity. It is one of the biggest atrocities of life. You have an opportunity each day to make something new. And, you know, if you have financial freedom because you've been successful enough to hit your retirement number or your retirement age, then you should go make the most of it. You should go make the most of it. Couldn't agree more, Jerome. I think, uh, you know, that's it. Retirement planning from our perspective is a very financial thing, but we always ask people, okay, you're going to retire. What's next? And, and exploring that from outside of the dollars and cents is almost equally important. You've done the hard work of accumulating the assets. Let's make sure that it was worthwhile for you. Jerome, how do people get in touch with you if they'd like to find out more? The best place for them to go is theexitparadox.com. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. It was a fascinating conversation, don't you think, Josh? I think it was great. Thank you so much, Jerome. It was a pleasure having you and great conversation for our listeners. Thanks for having me, guys. So, Josh, how do people get in touch with you? Sure. They can check us out at leonardadvisorygroup.com. They can give our office a call at 412 412- 998 plan, or feel free to email me directly at jleonard at leonardadvisorygroup.com. 
And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Relax, It's Retirement podcast, the show that helps you transition into a happy, fun, and intentional retirement. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.leonardadvisorygroup.com or give us a call at 412-998-PLAN. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Leonard Advisory Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.